Hello, I am Ivy Lassiter, the host of the Four Parents podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Typically, my tagline is pop in your earbuds and multitask. But for this one, I'm just going to go ahead and say this is one of those episodes that needs to be listened to on like a longer road trip, a long walk, a long run. In this episode, I'm talking with Spencer, the same Spencer that I talked to a few weeks ago. But that time he was with his brothers, Colin and Travis. This time it's just him. And he is sharing a specific part of his life his journey with mental illness. After the brothers recorded the episode, Spencer reached out to me and said, hey, I would really like to share my story, just mine, on the podcast. Now, one of the goals I have for this podcast is that parents like you would walk away with this feeling of, hey, I'm not alone here. And none of us have this all figured out. None of us are perfect parents. None of us have perfect lives. Our kids struggle, our families struggle. And I just never want this to be a place where we just paint this picture of perfection because that just isn't real life. So you're going to hear about Spencer's journey with depression, how he has navigated it, the lows, the path towards healing, how he has felt support from his parents. And I'm just proud of Spencer for sharing. And while I don't love that he is dealing with this, it's a real thing. And I'm honored that he would be vulnerable here. His parents, Kimberly and Kyle, are so proud of their son, too, for sharing his story. So here it is. Spencer, I want you to think back to when you first remember thinking, like, this feels different or this feels like depression. I guess I never really thought of it as something like that until – Probably midway into high school. Okay. I'd say sometime, yeah, it would have been at least when I was like 14 at the youngest, but it might have been a little later than that. Um, For a long time, I couldn't tell you exactly how long, but for a while it was just kind of how I lived, how how things were. Did you realize... Like, did you realize something was different? You just didn't know how to, like, put a put a term on it kind of thing? I'm not sure. It's kind of hard to say. Um, I believe it was actually midway through middle school mm-hmm. when we first tried to do something about it. I saw a therapist for a few weeks, and that was when I started on my first um, antidepressant medication. Yeah. Which I was on the same one for years and years after that. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I, I personally ever saw it as something like something that serious until, yeah, usually until I was in my, my teenage years. Okay. So early on, did you just communicate with your parents? Like I, or did they just see it? Like what made you go to a therapist at that point? So I, it's been a long time, so I have a bit of a hard time remembering. I think right. I think that was me communicating with my parents. But after a while, I I um I really didn't communicate much with my, much with my parents for who knows what reason. I think there's a lot of um a lot of that is just don't want to worry them about this. Yeah. At least I didn't at the time. Right. So you wouldn't really talk to them about it? Not really. Did you no. talk to anybody about it? Not really. Okay. Not really, no. So describe what it feels like. So it's what some people might think is that having depression means that you're never happy. Hmm. That's not true. It's, I've had it, I've had, essentially, it's, it's sort of like setting a sort of negative, I guess, for lack of a better word, depressed state, as if that's sort of like your default. Huh. As in, rather than a neutral emotional state, having depression or being in a state of depression generally means that that sort of lowered mood is 
tends to be more of your your standard, I suppose. Yeah. So you wake up and you're automatically feel down. Yeah, it's more or less. It's it's that. It's your. It's easier to get discouraged or disheartened when things go wrong. Mm. Um, sometime, a lot of the time, uh, it can be difficult just to get out of bed in the morning. Yes. Yeah. In what ways, when you look back on junior high, high school, like in what ways do you think it limited you? Oh, um, I suppose I might not have been as social as I could have been. Right. I think um, to some extent it might have affected how my schoolwork. Hmm. I didn't have – I. It's, it's a lot harder to – put passion in, into things. Like excitement. Like you, 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 to feel excited about something and like you, you don't have that automatically. I certainly can get excited. I can and do feel excited about things, but it's a lot harder to feel excitement about something and then transfer that into the energy to do it. Mm. It can be difficult to even just do the things that you like to do. Really? Yeah. Um, it it's such a, it's hard, it's difficult to describe but there are it's you know that it's something you like to do you know that's something that you'll probably enjoy doing but you just can't muster up the energy or the desire to do it mhm do you think do you think you were born what with this, or do you think something attributed to it? It's hard to say. Um, uh, admittedly, um, I was a bit of a crier when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I think a lot of people who knew me when I was younger would have testified to that. Um, I don't know if that correlates to this at all. Yeah. But I'm not sure if I was born with it or if it developed Developed, over time which it's which it can and frequently does develops over time yes absolutely and do you feel like you'll get in like a like developmentally when your body's changing and all of that like that plays into the when it ramps up or or no it certainly can can and probably does you feel like that was your experience? Yeah, most likely. It, I suppose that I do, I do feel like I started feeling it much more strongly in my teenage years. Yeah. Did you feel alone in it? Yes. It's just a very isolating experience. It absolutely and, is. And not really because anyone probably made you feel that oh, way. No. But oh, no. It wasn't because of anything anyone said yeah. or did. It was because I... It was because I isolated myself, basically. Right. It might not have felt that way at the time to me, but that's what it was. Right. So what things you you talk about, you talked about um, starting therapy Mm -hmm. in middle school. What other things have you done to work towards healing in this or, or working through it? Well, for a long time, I didn't do much of anything. I saw a therapist for a few weeks and then just went back to business as usual. Mm-hmm. I was taking the same antidepressant with varying dosages for years and years. And as you might imagine, that medication became less and less effective oh. over time. Yeah. Although, granted, it was never a strong, a super strong one to begin with. Mm-hmm. But that's beside the point. It's only really been in the past couple of years that I've really been working to better myself. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that look like? Well, the I suppose the where it really started was when I was um, dragged home by my parents. Right. Um, okay. So talk about that. You went to college. Yes. In Tyler. Yes, I was in college at Tyler for who? I think I was in Tyler four years total. Mm-hmm. I was in college for 
roughly three and a half of them because during the summer after my third year, yeah, um, right at the end of it, I was um, placed on academic suspension because of poor grades. And you weren't motivated to do schoolwork because of depression, right? Yeah, yeah. Part of that, I I, I think it's disingenuous to attribute all of that to depression. I think part of that might just been I wasn't really trying as hard as I could have. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I suppose you could also say that it's that the depression fuels that as well. Right. Um, If you're not motivated to do, right? Yes. I mean... Now, and again, granted, I could have done better, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. And so regardless of how responsible depression is for it, that's how it happened. Right. Um, my grades had been slipping, going, getting worse and worse over time. Uh, and so I spent a, a roughly – I spent the fall semester. I was still in Tyler because, um, you know – my, my dad had put down a lease on an apartment, and we weren't just going to cancel it. So I stayed down there, and I worked a job full-time. Mm-hmm. Um, in the spring, I went back to school, mm-hmm. um, but I was unable to get off of full-time work. Right. Your job wasn't accommodating no. of getting you part-time. Yeah. No, absolutely not. So you were working 40 hours and taking 12, 12 hours. 12 hours of classes. Yeah. That's right. Okay, so – your grades were slipping. What was the conversation like with your parents in that? How did that go? Well, um, I had been hiding that from them. The grades? Yes, all the way up until the day I got the email saying I was suspended. No. I Yep. I. You were just telling them, yeah, it's going great. Yep, that's right. Why? What, what do you think made it made you hide that? I suppose I didn't want to disappoint them. Yes. I was – it was a sort of a fear and anxiety maybe. Right. And I just – I don't know. I know it was the wrong thing to do. Right. Even then I knew I, – I knew the whole time it was wrong and that I should have just been communicating with them honestly. And applying yourself. And, yes. Yeah, both oh, yeah. things. Yeah. yeah, I was well aware of everything the entire time. Right. So when you called them and said, oh, I've been suspended, I'm not going to school anymore. And they needed to know that because they were paying for school. Yes. Right? Although I was actually at home at the time. When you got the email? That's right. What did you say? I went downstairs. I said, I need to talk to you guys. And I sat down. Okay, so I've been placed on academic suspension. And I had to explain to them everything. And that might be the angriest I have ever seen either of them. Really? Yes. Not more so because I'd been lying to them for, for so sure. long. And at the time, I don't, I, and this is also by their own admission, at the time, they didn't really understand how much depression was contributing to it. Right. So in their heads, I was just goofing off, which is a fair assumption to make. It wasn't something I was really, this is all, it was also something I wasn't talking to them about. I wasn't being open with them about, about what I, something I was struggling with. So I, that's definitely not really their fault. Right. Um, so so they said, well, you're going to go back to school, you're going to get a job, you're going to pay for your apartment. Yes. Okay. Because, I mean, reasonably so, my dad wasn't just going to pay the rent on the apartment. Right. I, he wasn't just going to pay for me to live there and do nothing. Right. And nor, nor should he have. Um, so I worked, um, paid the rent for those few months. I went back in the spring. Um, I still had to work full time. And so at the end of that semester... Um, my grades were good enough and I got put on suspension for a year as opposed to just a semester. Right. Um, I, I had been trying harder that semester. Um, clearly it didn't work. Right. Well, you had a full-time job. Yeah. And that definitely, I think, contributed a lot to. 
making it harder to do my schoolwork. Yes, harder. And it wasn't just, I mean, there, there were multiple things at play when, you know, and if you don't address them all, mm-hmm. it's like you can't. Yeah. They're all contributing to not succeeding in this environment. So yes, yes. Addressing all the things. But do you think at, in college you realized depression is what is one of the key factors here? Do you think you realized it? You just didn't want to admit it? or I think there was a point where I connected the dots. Okay. Um, but – the thing about the depressive, uh, about the mindset that you end up being in when you have depression is that, to me, it didn't really matter if it was depression or not because it was still my fault. That you had this. Yes. It well, not necessarily that I had it, but that I wasn't doing well. Oh. Because in my head, it's like, well, I should, by all rights, be able to do this, but I'm just not. So mm-hmm. I'm just lazy. I'm just not doing. I'm just not good enough. Yes. It's a. You end up you you fall into a very self defeating mindset. Yes. Yes. And so you you get on suspension for a year. Yes. And at that point, what do you do? Well, um, I shortly after that, I walked out on my job. I just stopped going to work. Okay. Um, I this was not a good thing to do. I knew that at the time, and I know that now. You, you shouldn't yes. do that. You shouldn't do that. Yes. But I was just – I was infuriated with them, f- with with my job, for not being able to work with me in this because it was something that was so important. Right. Giving you – allowing you to work part-time. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Allowing me to shift my schedule to part-time. So you just walked out. I just stopped going to work. Okay. I didn't say anything to them. I just stopped going. <laughs> Oh gosh! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, not not an okay thing to do. This is this is not the podcast. Uh, this this story is not what we should do. This no, is a no. good example of this is this is what happens in real life sometimes. Yeah, this is this is very much a list of don't do any of this. <laughs> it, although the parts you should do, we're getting there. Okay, but we're gonna get there. Yeah, hang on, but, hang with us. Okay, you know, learn from my mistakes, but yes. don't repeat them, please. Yes. So you you walk out of your job, so that then you don't have money to pay for your rent. Well, I had some money saved up. Okay. So I, I had some money, so it's not like I couldn't pay my rent, but I also didn't have a job. Okay. So I spent pretty much that entire summer. I don't want to say I was constantly hunting for a job because that's not really true. Okay. Um, I was most of that time just sitting in that apartment by myself. <laughs> Doing whatever. Uh-huh. I did I did look for jobs. You know, I applied to some places. I got a couple interviews. Um, and I didn't get anything that really looked like it would pan out until towards the end of the summer when I got a job at a warehouse. Okay. Um, I had that job. I'd say I had it for about two weeks. Okay. And during that two-week period, I went to work three times. And you were supposed to go... Ten times? Five like, days a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, maybe even six. Because you were not motivated to get out of bed. Yeah, because yes. it was a miserable job yes. where I was working in a, an, uncon- an unair-conditioned warehouse. I know. In summer when it was really hot. Right. But, you know, also just it was work and I didn't want to – and I just couldn't get myself to keep, keep Mess going. Muster the energy. Yeah, to, to wake up it. in the morning and go to work for eight hours and then – yeah, I know. I just couldn't make myself do it. So the, that Friday, you know, I got on the phone with my dad and he said, how, how are things going? And I told him truthfully, it's like, well, I pretty much just because I, I think he suspected at the time because he had seen, I think, my the first paycheck I got. And it was like 80 bucks. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. So I think he had a suspicion that something was going on. Uh, he didn't say so at the time. Uh, he just called me to see how I was doing. So I told him truthfully, I pretty much have not been going to work at all. Like it was like over two weeks, I've been to work to three times. And mm-hmm. he said, all right, come home. So I said, okay, I'll, you know, get up in the morning, come home tomorrow, see it tomorrow. And he said, no, come home right now. How did you feel in that conversation? <sighs> I don't know. I think I was kind of scared because my immediate worry was that, oh, man, 
I'm going to get it. Right. Um, so he said, no, come home right now. Like right this second. And it's like six in the evening, but you right. know, it's only two hours away. So right. I said, okay. And I got some stuff to, I, I packed up some clothes and stuff and I, I went. Um, when I got home, uh, you know, my, my parents came outside to meet me and I just, um, I mean, I, I just broke down crying. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we went inside and we talked and they weren't, they weren't mad. Mm-hmm. They had known for a while that something was going on. Right. And this entire time, my mom had been strongly encouraging me to find a therapist in Tyler. Really? Yeah. Which was impossible <laughs> because there were just, just nobody was available. This, yeah. They were all just completely booked solid. Really? Just, yeah. And considering and doubling down on the fact that I'm working a nine to five job. Yes. That has no flexibility. Yep. And, and in fact, I would probably end up working six days a week a lot of the time because they'd want to send for Saturday shifts to do extra work. Right. Um, but so, yeah, no, getting not only finding a therapist, but finding one that could work with the weird schedule I had would have been, oh, man. Yes. Um, but, you know, my, my mom had been encouraging me to do that. Um Obviously, I had no success. Um, so when I came home and we talked and they said, all right, we realize now something is like we can't we can't let this continue. It's not just that you are goofing off. No. It's that you've got yeah, that, another struggle yeah, at play here. Yeah, yeah. That was when it really clicked for them that like, okay, no, this is, this is something serious mm. and we need to do something about it. Mm. So, you know, my dad said, forget about the lease on the apartment. We're just going to we're going to move you home. I will just pay the whatever. It doesn't matter. To get you out. Yeah. Yep. We you can't we can't let you keep staying there. It's just not good for you. Yes. Um so you know, a couple weeks later we, you know, me and my brothers and him all went down and moved all my stuff out. And and then I was home for home properly. Mm-hmm. And my mom at one uh shortly after um told me about this program she found called Catalyst. It's at a place actually pretty close to here called Meyer Clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, and Catalyst is what's called an uh, – so it's an inpatient program, mm-hmm. basically meaning that I go – like I would go in at maybe 8 in the morning mm-hmm. and get out at maybe 2 or 3 o'clock. Okay. Well, yeah, roughly like 2 o'clock or so. Mm-hmm. It's not important. Um Basically, it was a it was a group therapy program. Okay, yeah. so I was in there with a bunch of other people. Oh, that were going through the same thing. You were similar, but also completely different, right? Because that's one of the key things about it is that with things like depression or with any other um, mental illness, sounds like a scary term, but that's what it is. Right? Yeah. It's not. It's not something that needs that people need to be afraid of. Um, every individual case is completely different. Mm -hmm. There are common signs and symptoms Mm -hmm. that can link them together. So you can say, oh, this person is struggling with depression or this one's, someone's more like anxiety, but it's not like a cold where you just have a cold. Yes. Like you and I could catch the exact same cold. Right. But if someone else that we knew had depression, it would probably look vastly different from what it looks like for me. Hmm. Okay. So all of these people, they all had their own stories. They all had their own struggles. For sure. Um, there was someone in there who had recently lost her memory. Oh, my. Yeah, an, old, an older woman. Um, oh. So I was there for three weeks, um, starting as proper inpatient, then moving to uh, intensive outpatient. Um, I had a therapist there that I saw a couple times a week. Um, and it was, it was group therapy. So, and it's a, it's a, uh, Christian organization. Right. It's a very, they're, they're very heavily. And your mom just was Googling this. Do you know she, she, she found just it? found it? I honestly couldn't tell you exactly okay. how she found it. I imagine she was just looking for stuff and right. she found the place. Right. Um, and did she say you're going to do this or no, she you? encouraged me to look and I said, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. Oh. Um, and so I did it. Yes. And it was great. 
Yeah. It was a big first step for me. Would you say it was the first time that you like like really put in work to work yeah. through this? Yeah. Um I saw a psychiatrist I saw a psychiatrist there who helped me, you know, start a new uh, start on new medication. Mm-hmm. I had a therapist there I saw a couple times a week while I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, the group sessions, which a lot of people might not know this, but group therapy is actually shown to be one of the most effective forms. Really? Yeah. I wonder why that is. Um, well, I, I can't tell you because I was there. It's There's something about being in a room with other people who are going through what you're going through. Right. Who right. About people who get it. Well, all of a sudden you realize I am not yeah, alone. Yeah, that's a huge part of it. Is there like I look, I look in this circle and like this, this room full of like maybe twenty other people, right? And they're all here for, for the same reason that I am because right. they're struggling and they need they needed help. Yes, life is not working for them. Yeah, with this. It, yeah, it, they need some tools to make life work for them. Yeah, right? they're all struggling with something. Right. Um. Well, and to give up, to go, okay, for three weeks of my life, didn't you say it was three weeks? It was three weeks. Three weeks. I'm going to not go to school or not go to my job or not because I need to work on this. Oh, yeah. And everyone's in the same kind of point of is desperation the right word or need or, you know. I would say the best word is need. Right. For some, it might be desperation. It's again. It's really going to depend on the person. For right. me, at the time, I'd say it was mostly just a need. Right. Perhaps a bit of a desperation because I was in a very dark place. Yeah. And I needed a way out. Um. So after the three weeks, then what did you do? Um. Well. Um. For a while, I didn't do a lot. Mm-hmm. Granted, I just spent some time at home. Um. Just kind of. No real responsibilities or obligations. Mm-hmm. Um, I got in touch with a therapist um, who I've been seeing since then. She's great. Do you see once a week or once a week? Like, okay, or at least so far. Um, she's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I still see the psychiatrist from there every three months or so to check up on medication. Right. Uh, and for a little while, for a while after that, I just wasn't really doing much. Eventually, I started doing a bit of part-time work um, at the uh, the bakery my mom worked at at the time. I went uh-huh. in at around eleven ish, and I would run their uh, lunch deliveries. Oh, okay. So yeah. I so I was I would be there at like eleven, be done twelve twelve thirty. Was it necessary to? Kind of ease back into responsibility. Do you think that was Maybe. that intentional? That might have been some of it. I think a lot of it was just my parents understood that I needed to doing be doing something. And I mean, they were right. Right, but they let you have space to not do much for a while. Yeah, yeah, but eventually they they said they said, hey, you know, we, you got to do something, and I kind of agreed with them. I said, yeah, you know, I'll like this sounds good. Right. Like let's just start there, and then we'll go from there. Right. I was doing that for a while, um, and then the summer, that summer was when I started going back to class. I started doing online at Collin College. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a pretty good online semester, um, just a couple classes, you know, ease back into things. Right. And then I did two full semesters at Collin um, in the fall and then again in the spring. Um, it was a lot of online, a bit of in-person, like – a couple in-person meetings a week usually because, mm-hmm. you know, we were in the still in the thick of the quarantine. I know. Did, did that mess with you? Like, was that hard for you or not so much? Yes, but I think it was hard for everyone. Huh. Yeah. Um, so I would say, yes, it was hard, but I don't think I struggled in ways that most other people didn't struggle. I think I had the same problems as most other people. I think for plenty of other people, the quarantine really set the like really put them in a bad spot. Really put them in a dark place. Uh-huh. Um, I had kind of already just dug myself, started digging myself out of a dark place. So I suppose I was at a bit of a special situation there. Right. It just wasn't 
so long and short of it is no it didn't really make things much worse for me okay it's just kind of like oh well this sucks <laughs> but everybody else feels it too oh yeah but everybody else is feeling the same thing yeah huh okay so you did got back in your college is going yes um i was doing online school for a while mm-hmm. um I had initially applied to University of North Texas, um, but my grades at the time weren't good enough, so I couldn't get in. Right. But, you know, okay, sure. I did call in for, you know, the, the, the uh, so about a year. And then towards the end of that, of this past spring semester, I applied to UNT and I got accepted this time. Okay. So I did summer classes at UNT online, and now I'm doing in-person classes this fall semester. Okay. Which just started like last week. Yeah. Does that feel good to you? Yes. Would you say in, do you feel like you would say, and right now I'm in a pretty good place? Absolutely. Significantly better than where I was. Right. Um, I've been working through a lot of the issues I've had. um, And more than that, um, getting into UNT in and of itself was kind of an accomplishment Mm, because I had to take classes pretty much just to raise my GPA. Really? So you had a goal. You, yeah. You had a goal that you went after. Yeah. And that I, felt really good. Yeah. I applied to UNT and they said, we can't accept you because your GPA is too low. Um, and, you know, I got in touch with someone. They have a GPA advising pro- adjustment program. And I got in touch with someone there and they said, with your GPA as it is now, I can't really give you a reasonable program. Um, you'd pretty much just have to take a bunch of classes to raise your GPA. So that's what you did. Yeah. When do you feel – so do you feel like it was the the three weeks of intense therapy that got you talking about it? Like to go from not even wanting to talk to your parents to now being like, no, I really want to talk about this and be recorded and share it with whoever will listen. Yeah. <laughs> like what? where – tell me about that. Why does that matter to you? So it's funny because um, I am studying psychology. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to be a counselor or therapist of some description. And I think, and I decided that actually in like my last year of high school. Really? Yeah. At some point I just, I couldn't tell you exactly when, but one day I just said, you know what? I think this is what I want to do. And ever since then, it's just felt right. Mm-hmm. I, ever since I started college, there has never been any other path That's like, this is, it feels like it's what I'm supposed to do, right. for lack of a better way to right. put it. And I think that definitely plays into it because, you know, it adds to, you know, the fact that I feel so intensely about this this matter. Um, but also, I think after going through Catalyst um, and being encouraged and in some ways forced, mm-hmm. because one of the most important things about therapy is that sometimes you have to go out of your comfort zone. Um, so... Having to open up about everything I've struggled with and all those people. Um, and, of course, I was accepted and because they were all struggling right. too. It was right. just part of it. So everyone had done the same thing. So we were all in the same boat. Um, and that experience really helped me to be more willing to talk about my own experiences. Right. And it's taken a while. It's. I can't say I would have been super willing to talk about it immediately afterwards, Mm -hmm. but after a while, um, it just sort of became, you know, it was an experience. Yeah. It wasn't a good experience. Right. But, you know, that was then, this is now, and and I suppose I'm just, I'm now in a place where I'm more comfortable just talking about it. Right. Why do you think our brain tells us you shouldn't share that? You shouldn't talk about that. Well, um, there are multiple reasons I could give for that. Um, there, a lot of it I think would be rooted in anxiety. Mm. Just of uh, you won't be accepted. Right. Nobody cares. Hmm. Um, or, you know, don't burden them with your problems. Right. There's all sorts of different reasons that could be cited that different people could give you. Yeah. I mean, I suppose you could share with somebody who doesn't care. You could. Or that doesn't. But at the end of the day, 
I think most people do care. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know if that's a totally accurate statement, but I would think I would think a lot of people would care. Yeah, no, they do. And that's the thing. That's another thing that's important about it is that it's a lot of it is completely irrational. Mm-hmm. Because obviously my parents care. They've exactly. always cared. But and you know they care. I, I know you they have, care. You have how many years of experience oh, yeah. knowing I'm they 20, care? 24 going on 25. <laughs> I know. I've always known that. I, that's yeah. never – nothing has ever put that into question. Right. But that feeling is still there. And getting the thoughts and the feelings to cooperate in that regard mm-hmm. and come to that agreement, you know, the correct conclusion yes. that, you know, obviously they care and they'll listen if I tell them is really hard. Yeah. I mean, what what did it feel like knowing, oh my gosh, you you call your dad, he says come home. Your immediate thing is I'm going to be in huge trouble. Like, oh, I'm you, dead. You have a 2-hour car ride to think about. Oh yeah, no, I'm going to die. I was <laughs> But I mean, did I you, was, why did you think that? Because that's just what I was cuz because I'd had the experience of them being, you know, super mad at me after I'd been suspended the first time. Okay. And, well, that didn't transfer over to the second time because I think that time they knew that I had really seriously tried. And that, and, you know, the then previous experience. Then they realized they can only see what they can see because they're human beings. And, yeah. And, you know, the first time it was like. Yeah, you know, the first time it's like, well, what the heck are you doing? Right. The second time, okay, well, he's been struggling. He's at the full-time job too. And he's actually tried. And he actually tried. And this is not working. Yeah, it's not working. So, okay, well, he he, but I insisted on staying. That that was on me. Yes. And I shouldn't have. Yes. I really shouldn't have stayed, but I did. Yes. Um And, and then s- the third time And after that summer when I told when I told them, yeah, I you know I've only been like three times in these two weeks, my dad said, "All right, come home." Cuz that's when they realized there's a bigger issue. And they realize, no, this this is something that's bigger than we realized. Right. Because at the time, and to an extent now, they just didn't really understand it. And that's no. not yeah. that's not their fault, yeah. of course. Yeah. It and they've tried they're they're trying to understand. They still try. They do their and you know, they do their best because they care. Um but that experience, they've just I mean, they would tell you the same thing. It was an eye-opening experience for them. Yeah. Because they realized he needs that that I needed more than what I was getting at the time. Right. They realized that okay, no, he needs serious. He needs serious help. Mm-hmm. So then you pull in the driveway, and when you see them, and you realize, did you realize then, like, not immediately? I'm not. Oh, no. you were like, I'm I was. I was. It. I was pulled up to the house, like, oh God, here we go. I'm dead. That's it's over. Yep, I'll just might as well start writing my will. Um, but I, there, there was none of that, mm. none of that at all. Because as they have told me, they realized this isn't about Spencer just shirking responsibility. This isn't about him just goofing off and doing whatever he wants. This is something so much more serious than that. Right. And they realized that, and and and. They realized I needed their support. Yes, um, and that, not not that they hadn't been supporting me up till then, but they realized that they couldn't leave me by myself. Yeah, and I was definitely not in a place where I could re- realistically live by myself and take care of myself because right. and I wasn't doing a good job of that either. And honestly, I still don't think I'm there just yet. What about so then you your brothers and your dad go and move you out of the apartment? Yeah. What did you feel from your brothers? Like, were you nervous at all about like, oh, I got to tell them? Or no. Gotta... So it's weird because I think they know. I'm actually, I'm pretty much certain they know. Right. Um, in fact, I talked about it on the other podcast, mm-hmm. so we, they definitely know. Mm-hmm. Um, but our relationship is kind of odd in that regard because I don't think we've ever really discussed it. Right. Um, it's not that they don't care or that they wouldn't listen. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. I guess I, at the time, I think they definitely knew more right. or less that something had happened. Um, I don't know how much they knew at the time. Right. I'm sure they know everything by now. Um, but don't you think the actual action of them driving to Tyler and spending however much time, a few hours. sweat, and muscle it took to move you out and not be 
I mean, maybe they were, but I don't imagine them complaining about it. Oh, no. And Not really. what that communicates to you well, is we, we're going to do what it takes. We love you, and we're going to show up, right? Yeah. Well, that's kind of how it's always been in a way. Um, yeah. So really, it, it's something that I have honestly never thought about because it's just kind of a – it's more or less a foregone conclusion, I think, that when something like that's going on, it's like, okay, we're going to go to Mr. Robert's apartment. It's like, well, all right, my Saturday morning's free. Yeah. Um, it's, just, it's a culture of support. Yeah, it's a sort of an unspoken, uh, I guess, kind of indirect form of support. Yeah. Because we're kind of always – we're kind of always on deck to help each other out. Yes. Um, you know, without obviously none of us has ever really said that, but it's it's true. Yes. I think. Yes. I'm sure they tell you the same thing. Yes. Um. Yeah. So you know, if if one of a, if one of us needs help, the others, if um, you know, when they can, you know, we're, you know, we're there. Right. So. When, you know, we read the Bible, there's all these verses about suffering and that it's a part of life with Jesus. And I think it's mm-hmm. it's a life in general that yeah. we suffer and we have hard things happen. Yeah. And, it's part um, of life. It's part of life. And yet there's also this hope that we have as followers of Jesus that he works all things for his good do you think this journey has like inspired you to for like your career? Yes, um, absolutely. A lot for a long time now. I've known that one of the things that really pushes me towards this is my own experiences. Mm-hmm. But I think going through all this um, has really, if anything, it's just kind of doubled down on that. Mm-hmm. It's reaffirmed for me that this is probably why I'm so sure that this is where I need to be. Right. Because. And I'm sure this is true for a lot of other people in the field um, because having been through it myself, I want to then use that to help other people. Yes. Yes. There's a sense of understanding you have. Yes. Yeah. Is there anything else? Areas that you've seen God prevail? Uh, I mean, I think the fact that I pulled myself out of the gutter and got into UNT – I yeah. think in some ways, absolutely, there's, there's redemption that. redemption there. Yeah, there's redemption there. Because yes. I just as easily could have completely given up on this degree and started looking for careers somewhere else. Yes. I could have given up on college entirely, gone to trade school, found a perfectly respectable job. Um, but... Your dream was, the dream that was your senior year was... The whole time. Yeah. Since I was, maybe before even I turned 18. Yeah. It was, no, this is what I want to do. Yes. I went to UT Tyler because I had heard that they have a good psychology program. Wow. Yeah. So it's like, yes, you know, depression has impacted you, but it hasn't, it's not going to limit the end of your story. It certainly hasn't strayed my course. Right. If anything, it's pushed me further down this path. Wow. Yeah. Rather than, if any, if it's been in some ways, it's, well, it has done a lot to push me back. In some ways, it's also pushed me forward. Right. Do you wish that you didn't you didn't have this? Yeah. Life would be so much easier if I didn't. I can't deny that I would absolutely love to have never experienced any of this hardship or or the pain or any of it. Yes. But at the same time, it's made me who I am today. Mm-hmm. Um. So, well, there are, are times where, yeah, I wish I didn't have to deal with it. At the same time, uh, it's important to who I am. Right. So it's certainly not something I'm going to dwell on for very long. Right. Right. It's just, I it, suppose, for lack of a better way to say it, it is what it is. It is what it is. It's a part of your story. Yeah. But it's not going to define who you are and who you become. Mm-hmm. What are things that you're thankful for about your parents? I'm thankful that they want to understand, even even if they don't, they want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that I can feel that from them, and I can see it in sometimes even in how they in their actions. How? What? What um, specifically? Well, even just little things like um, just the other day, 
I, I can't remember the name, but there was an Olympic athlete who mm-hmm. dropped out because of mental health issues. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember the name. Um, and <laughs> Simone Biles. Right, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a sports guy. You got to understand. <laughs> um, it's okay, Spencer. I know. You, you, you've got lots of knowledge in that brain. You don't oh, need to keep this. No, no. Yeah, I know. Okay, it's fine. Anyhow, yes, um, she dropped out. Yeah, she drops out of the Olympics. And um, we were in a restaurant and my dad saw something about that story on the TV and he asked me what I thought of it. Oh, and that mattered. Yeah, because I could tell that what he was saying was, like, as someone who knows more about this than me, what's your take on that situation? What is your take on it? Um, Well, my take on it is that it's really hard to say whether or not she did the right thing because I don't really know her situation. Yeah. All I can really say is she, I would assume, did what she believed was the right thing for her at the time. Yeah. Um, And for her sake, I hope she made the right choice. Right. Um, I can understand why something like that would be such a big source of anxiety yes. and stress. And if she felt like it just wasn't worth it to go through all that, then, well, I mean, that's her decision to make. Right. It's her body. It's her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's a big opportunity to give up. But I, I may, I mean, I'm sure that she more than anybody would know that. Right. So I'm mm-hmm. sure it's not something she did lightly. Yeah. So all my take on that is that I hope that she made the choice that was right for her. Mm-hmm. And okay, so what? Other, so your dad asked you that. What other yeah. ways do they show? Like well, we're trying to understand. Well, yeah, it's 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 like it's little things like that, and they'll ask me about certain things. Um, and you know they'll listen to me about certain things as well. I've had to explain. I, I recently ex- had to explain to my mom because she had kind of figured it out or heard a little bit from me as well. Um, I I have, um, in addition to having an introverted personality, um, it's when you have a strongly introverted personality or even just a mild introverted personality, think of it as like you're like when you're interacting with people, especially mm-hmm. a lot of people, it's like you're running on batteries. Yes. Eventually the energy just runs out. And it has nothing to do with – it's not that you hate – like, it's like, oh, I hate all these people. Why am I here? Yeah, or, or, oh, I don't like interacting with people. Or Because I do. I do like, you know, interacting with people and hanging out with other people. Um, but there's a certain I'll, – I'll eventually hit a certain point where I just don't really have the energy to keep it up. And, and I just kind of need to pull away. Mm-hmm. Not because of anything anybody's done or said, but because, like, okay, like – I'm out, I'm out of juice. Right. I got I got to just go relax by myself. Right. And in recent in more recent months um my parents have become like a lot more aware of that a lot more understanding of that. Like even with little things like when we have a bunch of people over at our house um and it gets later on in the evening and um my mom's kind of started to be able to tell I think when I'm when I'm really just when I'm really just out of it. Right. And um, so she'll say, like, Spencer, if you need to just go, then, you know, Aww. like, if you just need to, like, go back to your room or whatever, that's fine. So she frees you to be introverted. Yeah. She frees you to Yeah, because, yeah. because the desire to do that is there, but I kind of feel like I just, you know, like, I shouldn't. It's like, oh, well, you know, we have people. We have guests over. I should be here. Right. Um. So, well, I know I don't really need, permit, like, permission Right. Like, that's not really what it is. It's more of like You want to meet your parents' expectations. Something like that. if they're expecting you to stay and hang, it feels good for your mom to Something like expectations, to me, it's more of a personal obligation. Hmm. But it does still, like, hearing that from them, it's like, oh, okay, well, that means that it's, you know, it's okay, you know, to pull away for my own sake. Yeah. Which is something that, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, seems small, but it matters. Right. Yeah, absolutely. What other ways have are you thankful for their support and Well, I mean just in general they've been you know very supportive in mm-hmm. um you know encouraging me to do what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Um and in uh just pushing me to succeed and to do what I want to do. I've never felt like I needed to go back to college because that's what they want me to do. Right. I, I think they wanted me to go back to college, but because they think that's what I want, which it is. Um, 
So they've always been very supportive and encouraging me to do what's like, obviously, you know, to an extent helping me to, you know, leave that comfort zone. Right. Which is important. Right. But also to continue to, you know, do what I, what like what I want to do, like pursue the path that I want Mm -hmm. to. Yes. I've never felt like college is an obligation from them. This pressure to be, to do the things that, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I go, I'm going because I want to. Yeah. And I suppose also to an extent, you know, them continue to support me going to college. Right. Because they could have just as easily said, all right, you know what, we're not paying for college anymore. This is ridiculous. Right. And probably that would have been fair. Right. But, you know, they've, they're still, you know, supporting me with, through this. Right. Which is, I mean. Means a lot. Yeah. It's great. Okay. Any other things? Oh, um, I guess I would say that it's from personal experience, it can be really hard to seek help. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be really hard to admit to people that you're struggling with something. It'd be hard to admit it to yourself. Right. Um, but taking that first step gets you gets you a long way. Right. S- starts the momentum, gets the ball rolling. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's important. What would you say is the first step? The first step I would say is is just acknowledging it. Mhm. Um I, I, as I would always say, you know, the first step to solving a problem is admitting that there's a problem. Mhm. Yes. So once you've acknowledged that, like, okay, no, there's something going on here. I need help. Then that's the first step. Right. That's then that'll get you, and that'll get you far. Right. The second step is, you know, admitting it to someone else. Hmm. Yeah. Which is exactly what you realized it yourself. You called your dad. Is there something that you think parents can do to help their kids take the first step? Because the truth is. Your parents couldn't force you to work through this. No. No, they couldn't. Absolutely not. Um, I would say there is nothing that you can do that is more important than just making making sure that they know that if they have something they're struggling with, that you're there. Yeah. Just make sure, like, create an environment that's open uh-huh. and accepting and let them know that no matter what it is, even if it's something, you know, even if we're just now finding out that, you know, you're going to be going to be suspended from school. Yeah. Um, just let – it's important to say to them, just look, if you're struggling, you can tell us. We might we might get mad. We might be disappointed. Well, there might be a consequence. Like there, there, will, there, there might be a consequence. consequence. But if there's something that you're struggling with and you need help, you but, can tell us. And even if there, we get mad at the moment, we still love you. We still care about you. Right. And we will help. And if you, and if you need us to help you, then we will. It's there's there. I think there is nothing that a parent can do that is more important than just just being there, being open, being accepting, yeah. being ready to do, being ready to do what they have to do, but also ready to not do anything when that's appropriate, hmm. which I'm sure is hard. Yeah. As a parent, I imagine it's difficult to step back from when your child is struggling. But mm. there might be times where they need to work through something on their own or do something on their own. Right. And so – Well, it's almost like in your in your story, you had to get to where you got to to then start the journey up, to realize I need help. I need yeah. to share this, that you had to get there. Yeah. Even if they had known, even if they could see as parents, this is how this is going to end up. They couldn't have forced you back when you first started at Tyler to do the work. No. Right? No. So it's like you had to get there. Yes. It's support is important, but it is a personal journey. Yeah. Yeah. Which, oh my goodness, the, the, that is so hard for parents. I can't even imagine. I can't, I'm, I'm I mean, not a parent, so yeah. I can't imagine. And you're a parent. Like, 
you don't want your kids to go through hard stuff. Of course not. Like you don't. You and you want to think, "Oh, I can do everything to protect them from it." But the truth is, you had to get to the place where you realized, "I've got to do the work to get in yes. a better place." The best thing you can do to help to help them is to help them help themselves. Huh. The, the entire thing, be it with medication, therapy, right. just support from friends and family, it all boils down to getting help so you can help yourself. The only way – and the only I, – I, this is more of a personal belief. Mm-hmm. But the only way anyone's ever going to really get past any of this is it is a personal commitment. It is effort from from you. It I've, t- I've, I've made the steps I've made, made the – the steps I made towards better being better, that was – those were all things I did. I had help. I had support. I, I was pushed by other, by other people. But I had to take the steps myself. Right. I mean, the truth is, Spencer, you could have gone to that three-week thing, mm-hmm. sat in a room, mm-hmm. and actually not done anything. Well so- – do you see what I mean? You, no, yeah. I, I'm just saying you had to be willing to share. Yeah, you have. You had to, to be willing to be authentic. Yeah, you have to be the word. The word that's probably most com- would probably most commonly used is vulnerable. There we go. You have to be vulnerable, which is hard. It is right. Very, very hard. Right, but it required you to show up yes. and be vulnerable, and and your parents cannot. Your parents can get you to the thing. Yes. Your parents can pay for the thing. Yes. Your parents can, but they cannot force you to be vulnerable. That's right. I don't know. None. None of us want the. None of us want our kids to struggle with depression. That's not what we want, I'm and sure. we would do anything to avoid it. But at the end of the day, I think your parents did a really good job of going. We're going to support you. We're going to show up. Yeah. But they also let you have some freedom to get yeah. to a place to where you could do that. Yeah, they've been they've been letting me take, you know, steps on my own, yes. but at the same time, you know, occasionally pushing, which is also important. It's <laughs> Oh, a, and navigating when to do that is Yeah, oh hard. It's yeah. got to be hard. Yeah. Um that's yeah. something that absolutely is a learning process. Mm-hmm. If just learning when you, you know, to kind of push them, push someone outside of their comfort zone. Uh-huh. And you, which you will have to do sometimes. Yes. But I think it comes also with space. Yeah. Like give like you know, give them space to do things on their own, but at the same time learn when it's important to push them out mm-hmm. of their comfort zone for their own sake. Right. I know. And that's probably gonna be something that takes trial and error. Mm-hmm. Something it, it, it's very much a learning process, but it's it's important. Just being that that pillar of support will do so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Spencer, for sharing. If you resonated with this conversation or it sounds similar to what your child is going through, you are not alone. A few weeks ago, I sat at a table at a wedding with Spencer's parents, and we talked through some of their perspective on this. They talked about the night that Spencer came home from college and how they were waiting in the driveway I said, what did y'all do for those two hours? And they said, we just cried and prayed and cried and prayed. And as they told me that at the table, I started crying. (sighs) Naturally, they had questions, you know, of was there something we could have done differently for Spencer to avoid this? Like you just kind of rethink things that you do as a parent. Kimberly and Kyle are great parents. And I'm thankful for their example. This episode is important to me because two things became very, very clear. The first is that we as parents, hey, you are not alone. You are not alone. The second thing is this, that you don't get to write your child's story. As parents, we get to come alongside our kids as God writes their story, but we don't get to write it. And if it's God's story, then it means it's full of redemption. We can have hope in that. And God will be with you through it all. And if you are brave enough to share your struggles with somebody, you're going to find a community of people that say, oh, yeah, 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 me too, me too. Thank you for listening. Please share this with a friend. 
that needs to hear this story. I will talk to you guys next time.